start in Psalm 18.1 in this scripture. Psalm 18.1, I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my strength in whom I will trust. My shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and so shall I be saved from my enemies. This is the only time in the entire Old Testament anybody tells God that they love him. One time, David tells God, I love you. But David uses this language here in this passage of God as a fort and a, a refuge and a, a rock, a shield, a stronghold, which is a, a fortress. And in David's case, a lot of his strongholds were caves in the mountains where he would go and hide when Saul was trying to find him and kill him. This language David uses continually through the Psalms over a hundred times. In 150 Psalms, David calls God a fortress or a strong tower or a stronghold or a rock or a shield. And the Psalms are God's worship songbook, so we should be singing a lot. God, you're my deliverer, you're my rescuer, you're my savior. I just want you to notice how many different pictures of the same thing David calls God there. A rock and a fortress, a deliverer, my strength, my shield, the horn of my salvation. That's a, pic, that's a word we don't use outside of the Bible. That The ancient Israelites had the idea that an ox was the strongest animal and that the horns of the wild, they had cows and then they had wild oxen and that lived out in the desert and these things were enormous and very strong and when, when the Bible speaks of something being a horn of strength, it's just the ancient Israelites way of saying it's as strong as it gets. God is the horn of my salvation and my stronghold or my fortress. Psalm 31, David says, In you, O Lord, I put my trust. Let me never be put to shame. Deliver me in your righteousness. Bow down your ear to me and deliver me speedily. Be my rock of refuge, a fortress of defense to save me. For you are my rock and my fortress. Therefore, for your name's sake, lead me and guide me. So here, I'm just going to show you a few. Like I said, there's over a hundred times that David calls God these security-type, defense-type terms, but I just want to show you a few. Psalm 46, God is our refuge and our strength. The word refuge there in the Hebrew literally means a, a covered place to get out of the rain or get out of the storm. God is a safe, calm place to get out of the storm. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear even though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. Psalm 71 David says, in you, O Lord, I put my trust. Let me never be put to shame. Deliver me in your righteousness and cause me to escape. Incline your ear to me and save me. Be my strong refuge to which I may resort continually. You have given the commandment to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. David calls God his refuge where he goes continually. I don't know about you, but I need almost every day I feel the need to run into God. To be safe. He is our rock and our fortress. Psalm 28, David says, The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him and I am helped. Therefore, 
my heart greatly rejoices, and with my song I will praise him. Because he believes that God is his strength and his shield, he's singing. So the proof that you believe it is that you're praising him and your heart is greatly rejoicing. In Psalm 140, David says, O God the Lord, the strength of my salvation, you have covered my head in the day of battle. Now we got a new picture that God is a helmet. He's covering my head. In the days of sword fighting and arrows, a helmet was an absolute necessity. And David, who is as real world warrior as it gets, I mean, the ultimate warrior man of history, who wears a real metal helmet, but he says, God, you're my helmet. You're the one that actually covers my head and protects me. Psalm 44, Psalm 144, blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle, my loving kindness in my fortress, my high tower, my deliverer, my shield, and the one in whom I take refuge, who subdues my people under me. Here again, we've got all these battle, fortress, defense pictures. God is a rock who trains my hands for war. He's my fortress, my high tower, my deliverer, my shield, the one in whom I take refuge. These words that are repeated over and over through Psalms. And you see the one that doesn't fit? My loving kindness. The word could be compassion or mercy. Could be love, could be kindness. Why did he throw that in there? In the middle of a verse that is specifically about battle fighting and war, God, you're my loving kindness and my fortress. wonder what that could mean. But let's move on. Psalm 119, 114. You are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your word. God, you are my hiding place. You're the place of refuge, the shelter from the storm. You are my shield in the day of battle. As I fight life's battles, you're the shield. I hope in your word. What do those two things possibly have anything to do with each other? I wonder, but let's move on. Psalm 61. Hear my cry, O God. Attend to my prayer. From the end of the earth I will cry to you. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been a shelter for me, a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in your tabernacle forever. I will trust in the shelter of your wings. Here we have it again. God, you're a shelter, a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in your tabernacle forever. The tabernacle was a tent where the Ark of the Covenant was housed, where they went to worship. God, you're a strong tower. You are a defensive castle. You are a rock-walled fortress in a tent. A tent is not a defensive position. A tent is not a safe place when an enemy comes with a sword or a torch. But here David says, God, you are my strong tower of refuge when I'm in your tent worshiping you. That is not reassuring when you think about it, unless you really believe that God himself is your strong tower. 
I don't need a rock wall. I don't need a helmet. I don't need uh, a cave. God is the one who covers my head. But that's just a, that's an amazing irony that, God, you're my strong tower. You're my shelter. I will stay in your tent forever because I am safer in your tent of worship than I am behind a castle wall without you. I will trust in the shelter of your wings. Feathers, God? Is what you shelter us with? Feathers are not very defensive. They're not very firm. They're not very shelterish. David had an understanding that God was his defense in the battles of life, and his battles were real physical enemies attacking with swords and arrows, and ours aren't. But the, the truth is still the truth. He had this understanding that God, me being in God, God surrounding me, is literally like a fort. It is a cave in a, a rock. But it isn't physical. It isn't the things we would turn to in this world for safety and protection. My safety and protection comes when I'm in a tent in the house of God worshiping. My safety comes when God's got his arm around me and his wing over me. So this refuge place, this strong tower, this defensive castle, fortress that God is, obviously is not an actual physical place. It isn't tangible in this world. What does God surround us with? Let's look at the next one. Psalm 32.7, you are my hiding place. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with songs of deliverance. God, you're my hiding place. You're my fortress. You're my castle. When the enemy attacks, I run into the safe refuge. And what is that refuge? A song. That's not real reassuring. Unless you've experienced it. We just sang... You unravel me with a melody. And I'll bet that if you've walked with the Lord for more than a month or two, you've been all knotted up inside and having a really, really, really bad time and just the right song just, just unravels us. Like, God, this is exactly what I needed to hear today. And so the situation doesn't necessarily change. The person that's against you or the financial need or the health problem or the family trouble doesn't necessarily go away, but you have a shelter. When David and his men would run into the cave or the fort, the enemy didn't go away then either. They followed him and surrounded it. So these pictures of God being our defense and our shelter and our shield don't necessarily mean that God takes the battle away. But we have a place to hide. He surrounds us with songs of deliverance. The fort of God is a song. He's singing over us. And we sing back. 
And it literally, truly, not tangibly, but it is literally a defense for our heart so that we don't get hard. So that we don't take the bait of offense or bitterness or revenge or fear or selfishness. The God of the universe is singing about your deliverance. If you really believe that, that's really reassuring. If you don't really believe it, it's not really reassuring. God, I need a gun. I need money. I need a doctor who understands. And we go to all these other places for salvation. But if you really believe that the God of the universe is singing a song of deliverance over you, you have nothing more powerful on your side. Psalm 5, verse 12. For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous. With favor you will surround him as with a shield. How is God a shield? It's his favor. Favor means that he really likes you. So Mitch, when I'm having a terrible day and the family is blowing up or I have a desperate financial need or I'm literally dying of some medical condition and the fact that God really likes me is supposed to cheer me up, yes, he surrounds us with favor as with a shield. Us believing, us knowing with all our heart God is for me. He likes me. He loves me. He's paying attention. He knows the intimate details of my heart and mind and body. Shields us from the world. Somebody's asking, like, well, how's that going to help? It helps a lot. Does it not? Because if we don't have that shield of knowing that God is for us and not against us, that the Lord is on my side, whom will I fear? If we don't have that shield around us, it is terror. And it is heartbroken. And it is total failure. And I can't get out of bed. I don't even want to live. But that shield works. It works. It's there all the time, but you have to believe that it's there. The shield of faith, the New Testament calls it. Faith that God actually likes me, that he loves me, that he's for me. Some of us going through some stuff like, I'm not sure God likes me because why is this happening? I mean, probably everybody in the room has been through one or more of those days or years. We have to believe it, that God is for us. He surrounds us. The shield he gives us that the New Testament says stops the fiery darts of the devil so that they don't hit our heart is the shield he gives us is I love you. I'm for you. I like you. I'm with you. I never take my eyes and mind off of you. Psalm 32, 10 and 11. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he who trusts in the Lord, mercy shall surround him. The fort that God wants you to live in is his mercy. Mercy shall surround us. I hope you understand what I mean by these things aren't tangible, but they're very real. We have to believe it, and we have to value it, and we have to know that it's effective. And when we do, we live in the mercy of God, and the mercy of God surrounds us. And that's, that's the castle wall that the enemy can't penetrate. Is the mercy of God that surrounds us. 
Psalm 34, 6 and 7. The poor, this poor man cried out, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around all those who fear him and delivers them. If you will fear, which means honor and revere God and obey him, actually live holy instead of just religious, the angel of the Lord, who's Jesus, encamps all around your life. It doesn't mean Satan isn't going to take some fiery arrows and try to shoot them over. It doesn't mean everything's going to be just sunshine and rainbows. We all know that. But you can rest in total peace that Jesus is in between me and him. I have a rock-solid wall between me and the devil, and his name is Jesus. But Mitch, it's not rock-solid. I can't see it. Faith. Believe. Believe it with all your heart. It's real. It's totally real. That, and you know it because in the moments, the, sometimes the flashing moment, when you actually believe it, you, you feel it, and you know it, and you experience it. And then so often we run back to fear and doubt and panic and try to take things into our own hands and all that other crap we do. But you felt it in moments of, of surrender and faith and trust. You felt it. Yes, I, I, it's going to be okay. God has got this. Yeah. Psalm 91. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. This refuge place of God is his shadow. That's a pretty ironic picture. But if you're in somebody's shadow, you're mighty close to him. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. God, you're my refuge and my fortress. Your shadow is on me. And that's enough. Come on, David. You wore a helmet, you carried a sword, you knew how to use a slingshot, you'd practice so much you could put it between a guy's eyes. Yeah, I have all those skills, and I have the weapons, but none of it matters if I'm not in the shadow of the Most High. My God, in whom I will trust. Surely he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and the perilous pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers. There it is again. His, our covering, where we're safe, is, is made of feathers. Under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth will be your shield and buckler. The truth of God, his word, believing scripture and living it for real. It's not just religious, but for real in your daily practical life. That's the shield. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord who is my refuge, even the most high, your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. There it is again, that God is our dwelling place. But these things, they're, they're intangible. We can't see them with our eyes, we can't touch them with our hands, and we so desperately want to be in control of our own salvation. We want that false security of knowing how things are going to turn out. I want to steer events in this way. I want to see the answer. But Ephesians 6, only two verses this morning that aren't in Psalms. Ephesians 6 says, Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, put on the breastplate of righteousness. Paul is using the weapons and armor of a Roman soldier. 
to define things that aren't tangible. Righteousness and truth. Shod your peace with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, take the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. We have righteousness and truth and the gospel and faith and salvation and the word of God. There we go. Thanks a lot, God. I'll take an AR-15. Thanks a lot, God. Uh, I'll trust the doctors instead of you. Thanks a lot, God, for your promises of faith, but I need real money in the real world to get out of this emergency. Anybody else been there? David is so absolutely certain that God is a shelter, a rock, a refuge, a high tower, a stronghold. And Paul is so certain. No, it's the salvation of God. It's our, it's our faith. It's righteousness. It's the gospel. That's where our salvation is. That's what we wear and that's what we fight with. Back to Psalms. Psalm 142, 6 and 7. Attend to my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are stronger than I. Bring my soul out of prison, that I may praise your name. The righteous shall surround me, for you shall deal bountifully with me. There's one other thing God surrounds us with. Righteous people. Isn't it awesome to have such a great church family? I tell you all the time, but I really mean it in total truth. Most other pastors complain about their job and their people. And I tell them, I have the greatest people in the world. They truly love the Lord. They want to really live for him. And and I feel loved and supported. And the righteous surround me. You have to make some choices to have the righteous surround you. If you want righteous friends, you have to be living righteously also. If you wouldn't invite Ken and Becky over to watch that movie with you, then don't watch it. If you wouldn't take Randy and Kathleen to the bar, then don't go. If you want to be surrounded with righteous people, you have to be where righteous people are. But God's promise is, my, part of my shelter, part of my defense of you is Kurt and Donna and Ted and Kim and everybody in this room. Given, I've given you people who know me, people who can give you wisdom, people who can pray with you, people who will minister to you and love you and forgive you and teach you and walk with you. That's part of my shield for you, my fortress that's between you and the rest of the hard, cold, angry, dead world is the people right here. We have to believe that this is true. And it has to matter. It has to be valuable to us so that it'll be effective. But like I said, so many people will look at so many other things for salvation. Do you know there's people who actually trust the government? (laughs) Who is that? But there are. They think another law is the answer and that that will be the solution. Do you know there's people that actually think if they buy another gun, they'll be safer? They've already got 47, but if I buy another one, just in case. Do you know there's people that actually think if I have more money in my savings, I'll be safer? Can you believe that? There wouldn't be nobody in this room. There's actually people in the world that think the more money they have, the safer they are. Golden guns and a cabin in the woods and lots and lots and lots of freedom seeds. 
and I'll be safe. But here's what David said about that kind of stuff. Psalm 127.1, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Unless God has prepared you for the future, your prepping is totally in vain. Psalm 33, no king is saved by the multitude of an army. A mighty man is not delivered by great strength. A horse is a vain hope for safety. Neither shall it deliver by its great strength. This is a king who has an army, who has lots and lots of horses and chariots and swords and watchmen on the walls. So the Bible's not saying, David is not saying that these things are worthless and useless and shouldn't be employed. I'm not telling you, don't prep for the future. I'm not telling you it's wrong to have 47 firearms if that's what you want. I'm just saying, none of it will save you if you're not living in Jesus Christ. It is a vain hope. It will not deliver any by its great strength. So, Because David didn't send his army home and say, oh, God's going to defend us and we'll send all the soldiers home and just let the Amorites attack. That's not what he said. He practiced with his sword. He practiced with his sling. Come on. Go to Joe Lynn and Chris's class and learn how to use your 9 millimeter. But you don't trust it. You trust the Lord. Psalm 44, through you we will push down our enemies. Through your name we will trample those who rise up against us. For I will not trust in my bow, nor shall my sword save me. Listen, this is, that sentence, I will not trust my bow and my sword will not save me. This is the ultimate warrior man of all world history. He had a sword and a bow and lots of them and he knew how to use them and he practiced. But he understood it's not going to save me if the Lord is not fighting my battles. So I'm not saying don't go to the doctor, but don't trust your doctor, trust the Lord. I'm not saying don't save money, I'm saying don't trust money. Save money, yes. Prepare, stock up, propane and batteries and food if that's your thing. Do it. But the Lord is our refuge and our salvation. And your food dehydrator is not going to save your life. (laughs) Psalm 27. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. There are people who truly believe that they are ready to fight a war in the future with our government or, or anarchy or whatever's coming that they envision, they imagine. They, there are people who genuinely believe that their money will save them. The Bible specifically says that will not. Some people trust in knowledge. If we just learn more, know more, understand more, we'll be able to perfect society. A lot of people trust in the American military or our police. Some people trust in the Constitution and just the idea that is America and all these things are false foundations. Every one of them will fail. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken. People trust in doctors, the medical system, they trust in education system. People think the future is going to be brighter because we're going to have better technology and advances and progress and and all of that will fail us. And I would guess that most of you in the room have already experienced something pretty major in your life, but if you haven't, you will. 
where you come to the point where you imagine yourself at very rock bottom in your health or in your marriage or in with your kids or your finances or whatever it is and and you look around and there is absolutely nothing to save you and nothing that matters like all of a sudden the things i loved so much and got so much enjoyment out of this hobby or that travel or that interest like because I have a child dying of leukemia, it does not matter. It cannot save me. It doesn't matter how much money I've got in the bank if we're on our way to divorce. Seriously, these things that people envision about their future and care about and think are going to save them and, or even just think that it's interesting and fun and valuable and you will get to a, I know I'm, a lot of you already know what I'm talking about, but you will get to a situation where nothing matters but Jesus and his people the people that say hey I know you're going through it rough and I'm praying for you today the text that you get out of the blue that somebody sends you a bible verse or they mail you a note in the, in the, in the mail or, or they're just like hey I was praying for you today and that matters more than a mountain of gold is that the favor of the Lord surrounds me and the people of the Lord are surrounding me. And I'm not all alone. And there is salvation. And there is hope. And there is life. And this is not the end. And this is things haven't completely collapsed and fallen apart. It sure feels like it. It sure looks like it. And there's nothing tangible to save. Except that I believe he is singing a song of deliverance. And I believe it with all my heart. And that when he sings, universes are created. So I'm all right. We're going to make it. He's going to pay that bill. I'm going to get healed or I'm going to die. And Paul says, whether I live or die, I get to be with Jesus. The shield of faith. And the song that unravels all the garbage and all the tangle and all the pain and all the anger and all the mess and, and the song comes. And we just melt. And we are delivered. Remember that verse I read you? And so my heart greatly rejoices. The proof that you actually believe it is that you go out of here really happy instead of scared. <laughs> that you go out of here singing and dancing instead of angry. That you go out of here Believe it, the proof that you believe it with all your heart is that you are actually shielded from all the garbage of the world that's going on around you. It's not gone, it's just God is between me and all that. He's the wall, He's the fort. And so I can live in the midst of it and be at total peace, and not just peace, but rejoicing right in the middle of this trouble because I wear a Jesus force field. <laughs> Let it be known to you all that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom Jesus, who God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Jesus is the only name. 